If ever your life could be a true crime podcast episode, then this podcast is for you. We're about to embark on a roller coaster of emotions, insights, survival, and stories about escape. So buckle up and let the journey begin. Hello and welcome again to The Escape Pod, a part serious, part hilarious tromedy featuring stories of escape. I'm Julie here with my co-host Charity. Hello. We're broadcasting from Rapid City, South Dakota and the One Heart campus. If you need to know more about One Heart, which you know you do, we have a (laughs) prologue episode you can check out on the website. So go there and learn a little bit more about this um, place that we call a place for hope and healing. Um, Charity. Take it away. What are we escaping from today? Oh, God. The first thing that comes to mind is really sad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, cancer. and Right. Oh, we are escaping our day-to-day jobs here in yeah, the podcast Yeah, hiding in our suite. padded studio. <laughs> but we have a really amazing employee um, who is only 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And we just found out yesterday she's brain cancer. So... That's what I want to escape. Yeah. Bad things happening to amazing people. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, you started us off on a rough note. I know. I know. I know. You say always say part hilarious. And normally we find the hilarity like in your your zingers of naming these episodes. I don't know how you're going to do it today. (laughs) So um, I'm really going to put you on the spot later. Okay. Okay. Challenge accepted. Okay. Challenge accepted. All right. Tell us more. Uh, We have a, of course, always a true story um, to share and some uh, serious consequences with this one and long-term consequences with this one, which is why we tell some of these stories, right? Because we recognize in, for example, the people we serve on this campus that um, there are a lot of survivors of trauma, a lot of survivors of crime here. um, And... I think how amazing it is that they keep going. And I think this is a really, a really good example. So um, take But there's like healthy resilience, right? And then there's resilience where you're just barely surviving Mm -hmm. and not having that trauma actually um, healed or at least learned to cope with or recognizing how it's displaying and interrupting and disrupting your life, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the big thing. Um, and we, we've we talked a lot so far on our, I don't even know what episode this is anymore. But, um, We're on four. Are we? We're four in already. Mm, seems like more than that. That's all the, <laughs> that's all the practice sessions. <laughs> um, but talking about how crisis brain and trauma, and this is a mass trauma thing I'm going to talk about today, like that impacted an entire community um, almost a decade ago. And we've talked about this before where normally we fixate on the immediate victims. Mm-hmm. We don't often look at, and and I am a firm believer that crisis brain can impact anybody. Trauma can impact anybody. And, and we're talking about the, you know, several circles outside of that immediate impact. And uh, we have a special surprise for you a little bit after this story um, that, you know, hopefully it's going to be a little bit, little bit of a different format today. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll tell the story, one story. I don't have anything to relate to this, so we don't get to um, poke at all of my bad decisions or <laughs> bad experiences and choices um, from my from my from her youth. These are not recent well, bad choices. Youth, young adult, yeah, all that stuff. Um, I think you're still a youth until your brain develops what into your well into your twenties. I think mine's... we're gonna count it all as your youth. Okay. Okay. Anything before? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where I would draw the line. I was, Before you I, had kids of your I own. Was a work, well, Is that fair? I was a work in progress even after I had okay. my first right. one at least. Yeah. I mean, I became a better version of myself as I became a mother. But um, I learned how little I knew when I became uh, a mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. So today, um, this is both a downer and also a story where – I'll just say heads up, there were no fatalities, which is bizarre. When you hear the story, you think that's absolutely not possible. Right. Um, and it's really wild that I did not hear about this. So this is Murraysville, Pennsylvania. We're going to go to Franklin Regional High School, April 9th, 2014. So um, almost 10 years ago. So normal school morning, I imagine they were probably getting excited for um, you know summer break coming up. Um, this is in the morning. A 16-year-old sophomore at the school, shortly after 7 o'clock, his name is Alex Rabel, um, went on a slashing blitz. He brought two kitchen knives from home, and he went through the halls and was stabbing and slashing at people. He, I th- there were some, some reports were a little bit different, 19 students and a security guard, some were 20 students and a guard or somewhere 21 students in a guard. So I'm not sure what the specific number is, but at least 20 people were injured. And um, this whole episode took less than five minutes. Mm. Literally, the school bus is let out. He gets and he just goes ballistic. But what was really interesting about reading the reports of this kid's frame of mind Mm. is he was Mm blank-faced. There was no yelling or like, anger or anything like that reported. It was blank and stone cold. And I listened to an interview with one of the students who I don't believe was injured himself, but was right in the midst of it. You know, blood everywhere. Hallways were just, it was, it was atrocious. I just, I imagine it was really, really horrific. Um, He said that there had been some kind of, in, you know, school talk. I know if not, none of this is true. I have no idea if any of this is true. Um, but that there had been some kind of conflict. And so now there was an ex-friend type of situation with his group of friends and that he was really out to get one person. Mm-hmm. That was his goal when he went to school was to get one person. Couldn't find that person. Knew, okay, knives are out, I imagine. Couldn't find that person. I'm already in trouble. And then just kind of like that realization of I'm screwed. Right. I'm just going to go for it. And so that blank face of like, here's my fate and just kind of going through the motions is, is again, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's what was in the mind of this young man. But um, but that's what another student. Another student. And, you know, and, and kids are pretty intuitive. I mean, there's things we glean about kids we went to school with that we didn't really hang out with a lot. Like we just kind of know when you grow up with somebody, you, you just kind of know. So, you know, that just I thought that was an interesting perspective. Um, but uh 
one student who'd been stabbed very quickly, like early on in, in the process, had the frame of mind to pull the fire alarm. And a lot of officials believe that that saved many more lives. So mm. it really kind of put everybody on alert. Um, yeah, like I said, blank face, no rage, no words, just action. And the police really went with um, looking into investigating whether the kid had been bullied, if that was a, you know, a, a, a inciting factor. They couldn't find any concrete evidence of it. Um, ultimately, he was tackled by both a vice principal and a principal and then handcuffed by a school resource officer. And, um, you know, and you hear a lot of, and you know, this was almost 10 years ago, but you hear a lot of talk these days about we can't have school resource officers in the schools right. and it's blah, blah, blah. Thank freaking God this person was there. I mean, how many more people would have been harmed right. had this not happened? So I will, I will vote in the schools every single time, um, even though I was the one probably getting harassed by the school resource officer because I was a shithead. Um, but again, at, in her youth, in my youth, in, in my her youth. youth, I still can be, but not. I mean, within reason, right? Um, but complete chaos. The, the kid was ultimately charged as an adult. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. tracks four counts of attempted homicide, mm. 21 counts of aggravated assault. He pled guilty in 2017, currently serving a 60-year sentence. Um, I don't know when, but later he decided to appeal his conviction. And now it was like ineffective counsel citing, okay. you know, ineffective assistance of counsel. Um, but so far, no judges even entertained that. So um, definite no fatalities again, but just absolutely crazy and horrific. And you think about, you know, so 21 plus uh, people that were that were immediately traumatized by right. this. I imagine the young man's parents were traumatized by the fact that their child changed their lives forever, right? Oh, my God. And then Ooh. the students who were in the hallways that were maybe missed and have survivor's guilt or, mm -hmm. you know, or saw their friend harmed or, um, you know, and in the case of um, a friend we have in the studio with us today, um, her son was at this school mm -hmm. in the midst of this catastrophe. So um, so today is very different. Like I said, we have in the studio with us Teresa Gildemeister, long, old, old, old friend of mine um, from way, way back in the day. Um, and she happened to be living in Murraysville, Pennsylvania when this happened. And her, her son, Drew, was at Franklin Regional High School on this very horrific day. So um, again, we talk about the external circles of people who get traumatized by these things that happen. We don't usually focus on that, mm -hmm. but it's so real and often gets overlooked. And I think um, Teresa and I talked about this a couple months ago, and it just really stuck with me that is so uh, relevant to what we talk about on the podcast. And, you know, when we talk about like cycles, familial cycles, and what we're trying to do in the work that we do every day, um, this is no different. And right. so I really um, think we're, we're in for a treat, if you will, I guess, a little bit of a going off road and doing something different. So, so Teresa, do you want to talk about that day and kind of share that rendition of the, the, the story that you shared with me a couple of months ago? Yeah. Thank you, Charity, yeah, welcome. for having me on to talk about this. Um, yeah, actually, and even recalling it to you a couple months ago, um, 
It almost brings back it's chills. Very emotional too. You did get teared up, and yeah, you know, it's, it's hard. It's um, yeah, you. It's like what you said. We know the obvious victims, but um, I mean, Alex's parents definitely victimized by this too. You know, Alex himself to be brought to that place right. where ruined his life. The, Took his life away. Essentially. Is it hopelessness mm-hmm. that takes us there? I don't. I don't know what it is that well, takes us there. One thing but. that I saw. I don't have it in this, but I read it when I first talked to you. I did research that I didn't really document. Just reading about it before I did the actual research, and I do remember reading that he said um, he was tired, or maybe you told me this that he was tired of not being seen. I had something to that effect. I, I might, had heard that too. Okay, and um, you know, obviously, what he did is horrific. But that breaks my heart. Yeah, it's it's very, very, very sad. We've talked before, and since this is Teresa's first time joining us in the Escape Pod, but we we talk often in in with the people we work with about you know excuses versus explanations. It's not an excuse. There is no excuse for harming another right. person, but certainly um, there are reasons that people come to that point. Um, and so you know, an explanation is is fair um mm-hmm. i'll give people that i won't it, it's yeah. not an excuse thanks julie um, cause, yeah because yeah. i'm definitely not excusing any of the behavior right but you know the whole the whole situation Do you want to talk about painful. like what your son went through and and how you as a parent with that big not knowing you know after i think the fbi got involved and you didn't yeah you didn't have access to your child you didn't know what was happening yeah so um so Thank the Lord, Drew missed the school bus that morning. So his route through the school to get to his locker was much different than it would have been. He would have been in the hallways, which how is mad, where... How mad were you that he missed the bus? Oh, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get to work, boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, come on. You know, right. I mean, looking back, right. you're I like, mean, oh, thank God he missed the bus. In you the did moment. exactly, yeah. exactly. And, you, you know, going you forward... You were so irritated that morning. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got to yeah. go to work. And uh, going forward, I had I had a much different perspective on yeah. his lateness. <laughs> I was much more uh, calm about driving him to school. Yeah, so he was taking a different path to his locker, and he was in the gym cutting through to his locker when the fire alarm was pulled. So, uh, so he went straight to the front door to where they would muster, and it was there was some congestion there, and so he was standing there in the in in that common area trying to get out. Drew's a big boy. He's 6'4". He's, he's a huge—he was a lineman, big, wow. big boy. Wow, okay. Yeah. And the little girl behind him, uh, don't recall her name, but she probably didn't even come up to his shoulder blades. And, um, and he noticed a boy running towards them, happened to be Alex, didn't, couldn't see what was in his hands because, you know, his arms are pumping. And, um, and when he ran past them, he heard the girl behind him, like, gasp. It sounded like a slapping noise. And he said— back then in his head he thought why would that boy hit her and so he turned around and he looked at her and she had she'd grabbed her neck he assumed that's where she had been slapped at and then she turned so he only saw the back of her and ran to a teacher oh. turns out her neck was slashed oh my gosh um so <laughs> i don't want to cry but i think of that mm-hmm. and had she not been there drew's got a big target his mm-hmm. body is a big target and um you know a knife to the back there's still a lot of organs, but so anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. So he leaves through the front door and he sees a boy that he sat across from on the school bus. Had he been on it 
was on the ground and a teacher was applying pressure. It looked, he said he saw blood. She was applying pressure. And remember at this point, he thinks this is just a drill still because, mm. you know, it's a fire alarm. Do pole. you think he really thought that or was this a way to disassociate with what was happening or did he on like do you think he just honestly had not like the dots were not connecting he was late he was like in a different frame of mind or so he's a freshman boy oh he's a freshman <laughs> at the time okay. he was a freshman at the time and honestly I don't think his brain was processing okay. just then I think he was like great now we gotta stand outside before class right. you know I don't think Drew well, like I have a 12 year old and sometimes I tell him turn on your brain mm-hmm. yeah like and I have a friend who teaches about that grade level, and she's like, oh, those adolescent minds, you know, oh. like they, they aren't functioning sometimes, like there are moments <laughs> when they're not. Maybe a good thing in this mm-hmm. case, you know, like maybe not really recognizing the severity of what was going on might have actually been an, an okay thing at the time. Yeah, yeah. completely. And, and to your point, uh, my friend group, we laugh when the boys were young that – they do so many stupid things because they're not using their brain. Like, right. do I have to spell out everything on earth oh, yeah. you shouldn't do? I raised like, a boy. Like, when you see that building over there, don't set it on fire. Like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I feel like I have to say Because one of the boys Drew went to school with set a building on fire. Oh, my God. And I'm like, shoot, An I didn't accident? think of that one. No, no. He, I, well, I don't think he meant for the building to... Like actually, oh, hey, fire. something okay. finally on my list that I did not <laughs> do. I mean, I... Could have, but didn't. There you go. And that is why I'm on today's episode. (laughs) Thank you. I feel slightly vindicated. I wasn't as awful as I thought. So I don't think Drew was having deep thoughts at the moment. No offense to my sweet son. Right. But um, but yeah. So got out, got out of the building. They had to muster at the um, football field, and then they were sent to the middle school, which is on the same campus, and uh, I believe put in the auditorium. And then at some point. Teachers, I'm not sure who exactly made the announcement, but they said if you saw anything, you have to go with them. I think it was to the library. And um, and Drew was told um, – I'm, I'm shocked the FBI would get there so fast. But Drew was told that they were going to be questioned by the FBI. Um, I'm sure it was authority. but um, And keep in mind, all of us parents are standing in this massively long line now outside of the middle school – because I had gotten a call once I'd gotten to work, 20 minutes from where I dropped Drew off, that something was happening at the school. I need to go back. And so, you know, rolling my eyes because I don't, you know, what I is it? I was just there dropping <laughs> right. the kid off. Yeah. Yeah. So I drive back and, you know, as you get on scene, there's helicopters and there's, oh my God. you know, and it's like, what on earth? And I can't find a place to park. So I'm parked down the street on a busy road and I squeeze in between, you know, and, and then I walk up and there's this line and there's people crying and there's people like looking terrified and most people don't have their children where, you know, and so I glean, we need to stand in line to get our child still trying to piece it all together. Um, it was just too soon to really understand what had happened. So at this point there weren't any like social media reports or like, like push notifications on anything. Like here in our County, we have like an emergency thing that'll come through, like like lockdown at such and such school or like, you know, big accident on the inner, whatever, so that like the public is generally aware. Did you guys have anything like that or? So 10 years ago, um, my phone wasn't so smart. And um, did you have a flip phone? I probably had a flip phone. <laughs> 
Yeah. Ten years the company ago. bought it. Like, if it would have been my own money, I would have sprung <laughs> yeah, for I'm it. Yeah, like thinking but... 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Yeah. No, we definitely had smartphones, right? Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. But, but a lot of the way that we communicate in, like, a school district has really changed just in the last few years even. Now I get, like, more notifications than I know what to do with. But I don't know if 10 years ago that was all quite yeah. happening yet. Yeah. 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 Before this incident, I don't recall getting any updates okay. from the school. Plus, really. you had talked about Murraysville being, like, the this bubble. bubble, like, this almost utopic bubble mm-hmm. where everything was safe and everyone was happy and mm. there wasn't any yeah. crime or poverty or you know like everything was just it was like perfect suburbia that's so this had to have just really shattered people's oh completely and um you know the kids referred to it as a bubble and i know my older kirsty um she would roll her eyes it's like this isn't the real world this is the bubble. Interesting. Mm. And I'm going to get out into the real world and experience, you know, and I'm like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> like, we picked this place for oh, its purpose. bubble yeah. characteristics. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, a beautiful little community, uh, around 20,000, I think, suburb. Well, you could say suburb. We're about a half an hour, 45 minutes um, east of Pittsburgh. Um, pretty little community, um, close-knit, uh, just good, good people there. We had a fabulous experience in the 14 years we lived in Murraysville. Um, wonderful girlfriends I still have to this day, mm-hmm. and we, we talk often still. So, yeah, things like this don't happen there. And uh, and you're thinking that also standing in line. So you're standing in line. You have no idea yet what has happened. Mm-hmm. You don't see any of the, the students. What are you – like, what are you thinking? Where's your mind going? Uh, I'm – I'm an engineer by education, so I don't usually live in emotion. That's not my world. And so logically I'm thinking, well, if Drew's in this building, he's not injured. Pause. (laughs) Okay. Can you teach me that? Because I'm an engineer and I still go to like wild, imaginative, worst case scenario. I I think cortisol, 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 like crisis brain immediately. Like, please teach me that. I stayed in the corporate world for a lot longer than you did. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where my, um, I mean, my kids joke, we can't see that movie because mom might have to feel. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. But yeah. You so Do you hug people? Ironically, I've taught myself that. But, oh my god! Um, my sisters, like the other, I hadn't seen my sister in forever, and I'm like, okay, see you later. And she's like, yeah, see ya. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no hug, no nothing. And my little brother, I'm like, so I feel like we should hug. And he's like, I'm a hugger. I'm like, since when? So we hug. You know, I'd, like I'm not opposed to it, Do I but need it's to not ask my go-to. You before I hug you, because I am a hugger. I watched her. I witnessed no. a hug this morning. Yes, she met I, my my amazing friend Linda, and they hit it off. I figured they would, and so rocks. I witnessed a hug. That so woman rocks. Yeah, and I. Had no intention of hugging her, but when she was coming in, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I like her. But uh, so I'm not opposed to it. But, um, you know, I my husband would be thrilled if I set a reminder in my phone to, you know, <laughs> show affection. <laughs> yeah. My husband's not a hugger. Yeah, there's some downsides Aww, to the logical right. mind. Teresa in for the hilarity today. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. So I'm back in line. Back in line. I'm back in line. We'll get back to the story here. And, uh, you know, my mind's racing and I'm trying to tamp it down. Um, And then a friend who is a school teacher, um, she's awesome. I'm not sure if I should share her name, but she's a take charge type and she can do anything under pressure. She's superwoman. She came out and said, 
if your child text your child if your child has seen something he's in the library it'll take longer if he hasn't the kids will start coming out and so I go to text Drew and he's like mom my phone's almost dead and I'm like well where are you and he said I'm in the middle school well that's helpful yeah I knew we're that. at in the middle school and then nothing oh shoot <laughs> his phone died oh no like, oh that boy so I asked my friend, I said, Drew's phone's dead, of course. Uh, can you please tell me where he's at? Kind of like his alarm that morning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Many other mornings, too. Anyway, so she goes in, she comes back out, and she's like, he's in the library. Okay. And she gives me this kind of scary face. She said, come with me. So everyone whose kid, kids were in the library clearly were at ground zero. Mm-hmm. Not injured enough to go to the hospital, and I don't believe any any one of them had any injuries that right. were in the, the library. Right. But we were sent to this little, uh, uh, it was like a teacher's lounge, some waters and stuff for us. And I sat there, and I sat there watching other people, other people's children um, slowly, one by one, file in. And so I was near one of the last people in oh. there. Which, you know, every moment that anxiety is growing. Good Lord, I imagine. Although you had gotten a text from him, so you did know yeah, he yeah. was not at the hospital. Right. So good. Oh, truly. Yeah. He was definitely in there. And my, my friend, the teacher, um, you know, made sure Validated that was accurate. That. Yeah. So I see Drew and um, I stand up. We give these nervous smiles because in his recollection, he was worried for me. Aww. Yeah. Ugh. Sweet. <laughs> My my little Drooby. Yeah, six foot four, three hundred pounds. Yeah, little Drooby. <clears throat> so we're allowed to leave. And uh as soon as we get out the door, he grabs my hand, which ugh, you know, yeah. I'm not a hugger, but I just lose it. Yeah. yeah and so um so as we're walking, I'm trying try not to cry and we have to walk, I swear, half a mile to my parked car. And I get in the car and I, and I ask, you know, we're all alone. And I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm okay, Mom. And I said, I need you to tell me all about it. And, and he's like, well, like right now? And I, I'm just like, do you I understand what I've been through? I, I, just, I just put my head on the steering wheel and just sobbed. My child was safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – Take your time telling the story, Drew. I'm just, I'm looking at you and you're safe and you're here. And um, I wish I could say that for all the parents that day. But um, yeah. Safe, but he didn't escape the residual trauma from that. So, yeah. So that week, no school. Um, We had had some of his friends, some of the the football boys had come over, hung out around the fire pit, talked through it. the overall feeling, you know, they were upset, of course, but, um, you know, I was kind of picking up from Drew that they were good. They w- they had talked through it. They were good. And they really kind of just wanted to get back to school. So the, you know, the end of the year mm-hmm. was still going to be on schedule. They wouldn't have to stay at mm-hmm. school longer. Mm-hmm. And so I really thought that was, that was the gist of it as far as, like, an emotional impact to Drew. Um, I took a little bit longer. Again, we talk about the triage, the people that are that are bleeding, right. literally and figuratively. Um, but, you know, internally, I had some issues. A, I wasn't as grumpy when I had to drop him off at school. B, I was thrilled to see him every day. Mm-hmm. Like, it really reminds you of what's just desperately important. Yeah. Did, did you let him ride the bus the rest of that year? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, I mean, I guess in my world, again, I'm thinking let's get, let's as normal. back to normal as, you know, we'll keep talking, yeah. make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm really keying in on his body language, his emotions, you know, anything like that. And he seemed fine. And so, yeah, it was business as usual. Um, and, uh, and it really didn't, it really, after a while, you know, because Murraysville was, um, I mean, we were shaken. There was, you know, Murraysville strong signs. There, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of things happened after that. But eventually things went back to normal. And it was maybe a year later. Uh, we were downstairs. We were in our little movie room watching a reenactment of the 9-11, the, the uh, plane crash that Todd, what's his Todd name? Todd Beamer. Todd Beamer was on. Mm-hmm. And... So it's me and Dave and Drew, and we're watching this uh, this movie. And when Todd Beamer yells, let's roll, all you see is chaos on that movie. And our projector, our, our it was a larger screen. So, you know, you almost feel like you're part in of the it, movie right. in anything you're watching. And um, and it just, like, Drew just started yelling. He's like, that's what it was like. That's what it was like that day. And he just, like, kind of freaked out. You know, now I've got a 24-year-old Drew. Who is like, eh, I didn't freak out. But no, no, he freaked out. And and it's like, oh my goodness, he's not okay. He's not so over. He would this. have been a sophomore when the, when this event happened. It was when, a, the, when the theater event happened. Um watching the and, film. You said it was a year later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh and yeah, he was not okay. So, you know, we talked through it more and tried to just, you know, give him some some space, but yet think he needs to talk to somebody unfortunately that's when we realized that um you know drew wants to be a man's man so taking him to a male counselor wasn't necessarily beneficial he Mm -hmm. wants to look like this tough guy and so he's not Mm -hmm. honest with the counselor the counselor came out saying he's a normal boy what's why is he here oh shoot (laughs) and i'm like yeah drew's not okay you know this like there's something left here i know my kid yeah yeah and um and and I hadn't pieced it together that I probably should have found a female counselor to talk to, but um, but yeah, it it reared its ugly head and it really made me uneasy because you don't know. I mean, we talk about suicide. What are the what are the signs? Mm-hmm. So often people are shocked by right. that event. Right. I'm not saying that's where Drew's head was, but I. I've never seen I've never seen anybody a year after a trauma freak out. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna take a quick we're gonna pause real quick. And when we um come back from our break, I want we know he's you know, well at twenty four years old. True. So how did we get to that point? So how did we escape some of the that uh those negative memories, the ugh just the the trauma that existed that you know again maybe he thought he was over it thought he was past it very clearly was not so we're going to take a break we'll be right back on the escape pod at one heart transforming lives begins with safe stable housing and a support system that allows people to reach their true potential it requires motivation mentorship and a myriad of services it takes time and treasure but it's worth it because it's working One Heart provides people with a sense of security, opportunities for economic advancement, and adds dozens to the workforce each year. Learn more about why One Heart works at oneheartrc.org. All 
right. Welcome back to the Escape Pod. Um, I have not come up with a uh, clever name for this episode yet. Um, But if you have been listening, you know that we're here with a third person today. Yay, Teresa. Um, Not uh, here for the best of reasons because she's here to share a traumatic story, um, which we we do that here. But it did end up being okay. So that's the the also the beauty of this podcast is we always bring it back around to some some good stuff. Um, so you were saying a year and a few months after your son was there when a um, a mass stabbing happened at a high school, thought he had processed it, thought that you know he was doing okay, watch a nine eleven movie, and the scene where the you know, passengers fought back over Shanksville, Pennsylvania, really sets him off. You go to a male counselor. The male counselor thinks the kid's fine because the kid maybe isn't so honest about what's going on in his head. So, um, but he now, we're in current day, he's 24 years old. Good kid, you said. Um, Will probably always be your kid. (laughs) Finish your thought, and then I have a thought on something you just said. So... What did you do from there? So you recognize us as mom. He's actually not okay. What did you continue to do to help him work through some of well, the just, things? Just one one aside, you know, again, I don't, I've not met Drew. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily not being honest with a counselor. But I think sometimes people go through things and logically they think they're fine. Yeah, you know, so fair. then it's more like these subconscious – and if the – Counselor is looking for some like you tell me what's wrong. You tell me what's going on, yeah. and you don't know how to verbalize it or even identify True. like what these triggers are. You know, Absolutely. and I can speak to that after my husband got shot. Like, and it's been twelve years, mm-hmm. still triggers right when I least expect them, and my kids same way. So, so I wonder if it was more something like that. Again, just conjecture, but very well, fair. Yeah. I I think you're right, Charity, because also you know put Drew into context. Um, his parents are engineers. His sister's an engineer. His aunts and uncles, everyone's an engineer. His cousins are going yeah. for engineering school. Huh, Drew I can lives. relate with Drew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Drew lives in that world where um, his post, you know, it's a year later. Logic. Logically. It's over. He um, should be yeah. fine. Yeah. So I don't know if he was trying to to act like a tough kid, you know, he's fine to the counselor. Or if he, in his head, was thinking, my reaction was not logical, therefore maybe it's just not real and I am perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it took a while, Julie, your question about the, you know, what did we do after that? It took me a while to realize that maybe it was the counselor. I didn't have a good match there. Okay. And that's why, um, that's why he thought Drew was fine that I needed a female counselor because, you know, when someone says your kid's fine, like what's, what's Mm. your problem, you know? And then, then I'm like, well, I don't think he is fine. And then I'm like, is he fine? Like maybe, maybe that guy's right. Something that isn't there. And am I projecting my, and Drew's like, mom, mom, let's just go. Mom, 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 mom. We're calling this episode. Mom's always right. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. There we go. Yeah. So, so Drew's telling me just drop it. The Mm. counselor's like, he's normal. And I'm, and I'm like, I don't feel I think like he called gaslighting. Is. No. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, counselor. Yeah. So, so not knowing if maybe my intuition was off, I didn't take him to another counselor. I just was very in tune with his 
reactions to anything, to his behavior, to his body language. He wasn't allowed to just, you know, come home from sports and go upstairs to his, his bedroom. I made sure I was in the room with him way more than I'd ever been mm-hmm. to watch every move. And then one thing that I learned with Drew is I can't, he can't come home from school and me say, so how was school? Because he'd say, fine. fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, fine. <laughs> well, so what'd you do? He's like, nothing. I went to school. <laughs> so what'd you learn? Nothing. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, ugh. I say, what was what was the best part of your day? I always ask. What that was too. the worst? Should have asked that. Yeah, uh, that's what I do. Hindsight. Well, I think this is something that over time, uh, just because my kids are a little bit young, that that is things that they tell you now, which I think, you know, a long time ago, it used to be just make sure you have a conversation, check in on your kids. And now now it's like, oh, you know, you do have to kind of ask different questions. You yeah. do have to like drill down a little bit sometimes. It's not it's still not always helpful, but because my kid will say, I didn't have a best part of my day or I didn't have a worst part of my day. And I'm like, really? Nothing. What was for lunch? You know, yeah, I try to I try to dig a little bit more. Yeah, and I feel like I had the bait and switch. Kirsty, my older child, she was awesome, easy, <laughs> great at sports, great at great at, at um academics, you know, AP. Kirsty was just easy and enjoyable and just this like playing little mini me. Like uh-huh. she was just so great. And then Drew's like, fine. You know, so so but <laughs> Those I, first- I know better. Those first children make you want to have second children. Yeah. They right. never tell you that. <laughs> but <laughs> no, Drew's awesome. So um, so another thing I learned during that time period is I'm not going to just be okay with fine. But it's not worth an argument. So I would strike up a conversation about something else. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing, nothing too crazy, nothing intense, but just to get him talking. Mm-hmm. And then in the silence, you know, every seven minutes, there's that lull they say in the silence i could i could circle back Mm -hmm. and say so you know does anybody else seem like they're not you know does anybody Mm -hmm. else do people still talk about it you know i'd i'd try to bring up the topic i was really after and after i'd you know there wasn't that defensiveness of you know him being grilled on his day um he would talk and so having that open communication not giving up not being mm-hmm. frustrated that I get the one-word answer because I, I just wasn't going to, you know, mm-hmm. if you know me, it's like that's not what I want to know. I will find a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just think over time, yeah. always checking in, always making sure, and just doing it in a, a loving, non-aggressive way um, confirmed to me that I think we're okay. And we did have future conversations about that day and that event. And, you know, we talked a lot about how I felt about it because as a parent, this is your worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. And that day for many parents, it was oh. by far a, a, a much more horrifying nightmare than I ever endured, for sure. I'm not— I could imagine it was really hard for them to send their kids to school after all of that. And um, I don't know for sure, but I think the little girl that got hurt behind him changed schools. Mm-hmm. And, I you know— get it, yeah. Yeah. This It's not the bubble, we thought. Yeah. But um, but yeah, yeah. Drew, Drew's okay, yeah. and uh, we look back on that, and we just shake our heads. Like, what a horrible, horrible event! What is what a shame? Yeah, you know, I, I when you visited with him the other night, he's he talks about it. He do you mm-hmm. do you don't okay. feel like now things still send him back to that 
moment, at least with the same intensity that they did? Or do you? Uh, no. No. Okay. I, I think we've talked enough about it. We've taken the emotion away. Okay. And enough time has passed. Yeah. And now when we when we talked about this again the other day, just to make sure, you know, my recollection recollection was accurate, um, he talked about being more worried about me, mm. you know, knowing that I had to be scared. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, Drew never often saw me scared. But I also think now we're talking about a 24-year-old brain, and it's yeah. pretty and close to being crap. developed. Yep, and how we remember things isn't always exactly. is rarely accurate yeah. yeah and and drew is um he's he's got such a kind heart he uh he loves his mama and so it was so sweet him talking about how worried he'd been and maybe he can articulate back then that he was worried for me but in hindsight he remembers being worried and mm-hmm. i i think that's precious because mm-hmm. yeah i had some i had some lasting effects too yeah. you know you yeah, I'm sending my child to the same school where, you know, and other people are changed. And so often you see, I know in suicides you see this, almost a string event. Yep. Somebody somebody makes that choice and then someone else does and then they someone else does. They don't know how does. to process it. It becomes a contagion almost like. Yeah. Like, like yeah. It. Like, oh, my God, is this. I, yeah. And so. Um, how, do so I, how do I alleviate this fear or this anxiety or this whatever? And, and it revealed some things, too, because, you know, the, the rumor was out about bullying. Um, no one really knew if that would, was what it was, but that was the most logical answer to why someone would do this. And then the bullying topic comes up and all of a sudden you hear all these things about people really feeling like Murraysville is this little bully haven. And mm. and so. Who's going to do something next? Mm-hmm. How does this change us? I kind of wondered. I didn't see any reports, so this is just I had wondered if it had anything to do with a, a girl. Um, Julie and I had done a story. Um, I don't know what episode, but um, there was a young man got broken up with, went to go meet with his ex-girlfriend, convinced her to meet with him, had a knife, and he was gonna going to, like he said, his plan was to harm himself to see if she still cared like it was going to be like a cut myself and see if you still love me kind of a thing well then she just scoffed at his declarations of love and he went ballistic and he he stabbed her to death so I was kind of that was already in my mind so when I read about Alex I wondered if it was like rejection from you know he finally maybe put himself out there again I, I don't know that this is true I have no idea this is just like what ran through my mind as a possibility for that kind of response. But well, and there's so much happening in high school, right? There's so much yeah. happening with teenagers and and um, certainly social media ten years ago was a thing. Um, and I think we didn't maybe recognize then the effects it was having on young brains. I don't know if it had been around long enough for people to see that, you know, and and recognize like, oh, if it was bullying or if it was rejection or if it was something completely different, that because we live in both a physical world and a virtual world, you often can't um, escape the negative, you know. No, and it's so pervasive yeah even though it's like it's digital it feels like you're surrounded by it right so when um my husband was a school resource officer 
which I just realized probably gives me some kind of a, a bias there. But uh, he would do these introductory, uh, like parent orientation classes with, um, and this was a very uh, prestigious, one of the wealthiest um, middle schools in our community. And he'd sit down with the parents and say, look, this is what we're seeing. Like they're sexting, it's ruining young people's lives. They do this and they think they're safe because they trust the person. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, they're on the outs and and this is all over the place. And the horror stories. And he would, I mean, he'd show, he'd anonymize it, of course, but he'd show parents, this is the kind of stuff that's happening. Look at your kids' cell phones. Yeah. Read what they're sending. Read who they're friends with. Like, and and he would teach them about apps you can put on where you can see everything. So we did it with our kid, our son. Everything we could see if we needed to search history, every text, string, every call, anything. Um, just just in case, right? And then also also teaching them about that. And I think about. Oh, my God. We always had cameras when I was a kid. Like, you know, I don't know if you well, you might know cameras. You're not. I mean, I mean, it's yeah, not actual okay. cameras. Okay, but um, <laughs> how old do you think I am? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I'm uh, younger, not that young. You are younger. You're the, a lot the, younger. The kind you take the film out of. You take the film out of, and you go get it developed. Uh, yeah, and then you realize all of them were overexposed and overexposed, or you just paid six dollars for. Or good God, I was that drunk. Or yeah, but I think about. How grateful I am that social media did not exist when I was doing the crap I was oh, doing. Oh, yeah. I think back, you know, when, when we're little and we're not invited to a sleepover, a party, and we don't even know it happened until the right. next day you hear a little bit of rumblings and it makes you sad. Well, now you're watching Instagram. Yeah. Watching s- people have fun without you when mm-hmm. you thought you were part of that group. And just the sadness and the loneliness. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I'm so glad I was spared that. But, yeah, I my heart goes out to to kids nowadays. I know they're I'm surrounded. Just... I mean, it's in their bedrooms. They're yeah. they're being I reminded. Think that's contributing to you're right. I think it's it's there all the time. It's so prevalent, and I think that's really you hear. I don't know what's the youngest generation now. It's not Gen Z. What's the next one? I think it's Gen Alpha. Alpha, but, but don't like, quote me on that. Okay, if well, I'm the, wrong, like, but just people. the anxiety, you know, yeah. and talking to them, it's just like. Everybody has raging anxiety, and I don't know if it's a, a fad, and that's just the language we use. Or, I mean, my daughter's a millennial, and we've had these conversations where, where she will say, and she's not a naturally anxious person, but there are t- phases that she goes through just like anybody else, and she'll talk about blah, 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 blah. And we'll have conversations with her like, well, we have those thoughts too. What do you mean you have those thoughts too? Yeah. Yeah. This stuff happens all the time. What do you mean? Really? Yeah. And we just, okay, wait it out get through it it's just get rid of it except reject like right. it's your brain if you're not controlling it that's who like is, right uh, stage fright i've said to my kids because i had a kiddo that was going to do something and he said um well i get a little nervous being on stage and i'm like you know some of the biggest performers in oh, the world yeah. have stage fright you know and so it's it's just kind of bringing it back to um it doesn't have to mean you don't ever go on stage 
You know, it doesn't have to mean that you can't continue to cope and do those types of things. If it's stifling you, maybe see a counselor. Maybe maybe you have to take some steps to get to that place. But yeah, I think there is kind of this like, oh, I have this issue and I'm going to sit in it, you know, instead of like, let's let's work our way through it. We'll and learn recognize what it is. Right? You're not the only yeah. one who has dealt with this very thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that's exactly right. Making sure that they understand they are not alone. I too went through that. I felt that. I feel that right now, whatever it is. But also, I think rephrasing it. When we talk about stage fright, we use the word fright. And that's a victim word. If we said it's stage excitement, if you change what we call it. Nervousness. Well, and I say too, I'm like, nervous can be a good thing. You know, like that's excitement. Yeah. Like you you can be excited about it. Yeah. And say, I've I've, I'm excited, like I'm because because it's really the same emotion. There's yeah. anxiety, there's stress. Mm-hmm. You get that even with excitement. It's the meaning you give it. If you change the narrative, if you change mm-hmm. the word, even you can find a different outcome. Well, so. and I had uh, a coach once who was like, "If you're not nervous, what's going on?" You know. Yeah. And one of the things I used to do. This is a very lighthearted topic after a very serious episode, but I used to tell myself, and I would tell, I you know, grew up swimming, and I would tell myself, and then I would tell younger kids because they'd get so nervous, you know, before they'd go race, and I'd be like, "This race is like thirty seconds of your life. You're gonna live to be like 105." This is 30 seconds. Don't worry about it. And I would, too, think because I would get so nervous behind the block, but I'd be like, you know what? Once I hit the water, the nerves will go away. I know that. And I would have to, like, just remind myself of that, you know. And and I think the same can be true, you know, with a lot of things. But, again, a very lighthearted way to segue to our last break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we'd like to escape too. So we're done with the negative talk and we'll get to some some happy thoughts before we wrap up. We'll be right back. Need an early morning boost or midday pick-me-up? Check out the Homebrew Coffee Shop, a coffee shop with a cause in the heart of the One Heart Campus. Homebrew is home to delicious coffee, sweet treats, breakfast, and lunch items, a great place to meet friends or host small group meetings. Homebrew, located at 201 Kansas City Street in Rapid City. Open Monday through Friday from 6.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Homebrew, where you'll find hope for a home in every cup. Welcome back. We are ready to escape the escape pod, but it has been um, both an insightful uh, few minutes here talking with our friend Teresa um, and also, yeah, just what a great conversation. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we have to get back to the real world, unfortunately. Um, But what are you escaping to? Like if you could, Charity, be somewhere happy, safe, healthy. Where are we going? Back to Belize. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just drain the brain and enjoy the sand. Well, I was telling you this when I got back that I just so deeply fell in love with the people there. Um, Just the They were happy. You said they were just happy. The kindness. Yeah. And I just thought, I wonder what America would be like if it was full of people <laughs> that, people. you know, it, it's just so different here. Yeah. The culture is just so different here. And I just really fell in love with that culture. And and it's 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 been an adjustment coming back. Oh. Not that I don't 
love a lot of people, but there really are some assholes out there that just ruin <laughs> it for everybody else. And well, so we're glad you're I'm back. I'm escaping to all of the people that are the opposite of the assholes that ruin it for everybody else. <laughs> How's that? Teresa, where would you like to escape to? So I said it can be a state of mind. It doesn't have to be a place. I'm picking a place as well. All right. Um, so it's been a very busy year. I retired and um, started, <laughs> and then immediately went back to work. Started working for myself. <laughs> Turns out I'm the meanest boss I've ever had. Like I, I put a drill through my thumb and I'm like, suck it up, keep working. And I do. I keep working. There's no, you know, I don't go to medical. <laughs> it's, and uh, and yeah, if you get so frustrated and so overwhelmed and so exhausted and you're cold and you're trying to think through a problem and you can't and you're like, you just want to sit down and cry. And then you mm-hmm. and you're, stop your balling. And it's me saying it to me. And, <laughs> and so I keep working. Shave your finger you know? off. And <laughs> yeah, the table. Lose a finger. <laughs> yeah. So um, so it's been a tough year, but it's been a happy year. Our daughter, Kirsty, got married mm-hmm. to a very wonderful boy, Jacob. And the wedding was in the Alps, the French Alps. <gasps> And so that's where I would like to escape to because it was just happiness. It was just peace. It was just uh, really an enjoyable time with um, with Kirsty's new in-laws and um, and his brother. Awesome. And uh, just a lot of hiking. And I, I felt like I was in a postcard the whole time I was there. Aww. It was breathtaking. And I uh, took back roads across France from Normandy. And uh, What time of year? This was September. Okay, so lovely. Beautiful, okay. beautiful. Yeah. Went to Mont Saint-Michel and Normandy. Uh, if you go to France, you have to go there. A few mm-hmm. few awesome days in Paris. Everyone was so friendly and so welcoming. Didn't expect that. Uh, you know, you hear horror stories. Well, my daughter's been to Paris, and she said that people were quite rude. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's, yeah. I've heard that multiple times. I don't, I've I never been to Paris. That. I don't have, yeah. Yeah, so they were really patient with my high school two years of French that I used on them. Because <laughs> not everybody speaks English. A lot of Europe, right. you know, you'll right. find most people can speak to you in English, but yeah. not as much. I did a lot of pointing, that yeah, hand gestures. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was wonderful. The people were wonderful. We all had a great time, and uh, and I'd love to escape back to the Alps. Yeah. They were incredible. Well, I'll just piggyback off you because... Um, I was going to say I'll escape into a Hallmark movie at some point. You know, one of those cheesy Christmas ones. Mm. I can't do it. I, I love it. God bless I love you, it Julie. So much. I can't do so, it. So, uh, but I, at one point in college, got to ski in the Swiss Alps. Ooh. And so um, if I could set my um, Hallmark movie in the Swiss Alps, we might be go. golden. Yeah. But we'd have to put you on a plane. I know. We'll talk about that irrational fear. You do do understand this, right? (laughs) No. I just had this conversation with a pilot's wife. Teleportation is going to be a thing, but right now, Julie, it's still plain. I know, right? Beam me up. Beam me up, Scotty. All right. Charity, do you want to tell people how they can reach us? You yeah, usually have these memorized. I usually if you don't. do have these memorized. <laughs> I was on vacation and my brain still has not caught up. So, yeah, thank you for listening. Um, if you like what you heard today, please share this episode with a friend. You can consider becoming a patron for ad free episodes and special bonus content. And your support not only helps us offset the costs associated with making, hosting, and producing the show, because we are doing all of this by ourselves. I listen to so many podcasts, and so many of them are like, professional comedians or Mm -hmm. 
they have Hollywood connections or like we have none of that. We are seven in the middle of the freaking country (laughs) doing impossible work. And we, you know, like I've told you before, we want to create a community of people who come to understand through listening to these stories that there is nothing wrong with them. They are not inherently flawed and there Mm -hmm. is a way they don't understand what's going on with them and why they're reacting to life in life situations the way that they do, that there is hope. And um, and again, they are not alone. But but your support of the show can help us support more people mm-hmm. in, in that endeavor. You can check out our website at escapepod.live. We're still getting all the social media stuff set up. So um, that'll be updated. You can you can follow us on that um, if, if you're interested. You can message us at just because at escapepod.live. But Julie says only if it's happy... We love the show kind of news because yeah. we don't want her to I don't to want cry. any nasty grams. No nasty grams. I have grams. those in my life. But, hey, I'm going to say right now, if there are nasty grams, I get full license to call you out on your nastiness <laughs> on an episode, and I will do that. And not to be mean. Like, if you have constructive criticism, like, yeah. hey, you know, have you thought about doing it this way? Yeah. Or, or hey, I heard this and it wasn't correct. You know, yeah, that's cool. Let yeah, us yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but really what we would love to, to do is have you email us at escapeartist at escapepod.live and let us know your journey of trying to or having accomplished escaping some kind of situation. You know, I tell our guests often that um, sometimes the way easiest way, not easy, it's not easy, but the a, a instrumental way of changing your life situation and trajectory is to sometimes divorce people that are very dear to you. Um, I've had to divorce my family multiple times in my life, and that's the only way I was able to to do and become something different and raise my kids the way I did and all of that. And I'm not saying that's everybody's story, but it can be really painful. Mm -hmm. And um, there's not like any support groups I know of for divorcing your parents. But you know, if you're you have one of those journeys or you've over you're overcoming domestic violence or, you know, that battle of like Teresa and I experienced being the only females in engineering firms or like first gen college students or there's just so much, um, you know, abusive boyfriends. We see abusive husbands. We see single moms escaping abuse every day here on, in the work that we do on our campus. And um, it's just really empowering. And there's so many of you trying to do that. So we want to create that community and share that through your stories. So please send those again at, at um, escapeartist at escapepod.live and give us permission to share those on an episode. And we will do we do plan some listener episodes in the future and uh, we'll, we'll keep track of those stories that way. All right. Thank you, Charity. Thank you so much, Teresa. That's Thank a tough you. story to tell, but um, just proof, mom's always right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate Drew being willing to have his story told as well. Yeah, thank so. you for being here. Yes. Thank you. I keep roping you into all kinds of crazy <laughs> things. I just appreciate your I know. I'm like that happy little dog. What's next? What's next? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> well, next, we will have another edition of Escape Pod. Escape with us again. <laughs> <laughs>